0: Let me take you back in history more than 450 years ago. Imagine you are a 13-year-old teenager who has tragically lost his father. Imagine then being asked to take over the reins of one of the largest kingdoms on the planet, spanning over 100 million people who do not speak the same language as you, who do not follow the same religion as you. And you have to manage that with no formal education, little military training, And with everyone around you trying to plot against you. Easy peasy, right? That's what teenagers did back then. Hello, my name is Sahil M. Bansal. And today I will tell you more about this time in history from the 16th century. About this teenage king dealing with odds stacked against him. And how he came across a sharp, intelligent, witty and loyal courtier in his kingdom. Who helped him lead his kingdom to prosperity. Our story begins in the year 1582, the third generation emperor of the mighty Mughal kingdom who has expanded his territories, stretching over a land area approximately half the size of continental US, all the way from Afghanistan to present-day Bangladesh, spanning through northern and central India, a land area that covers 100 million people in the 16th century. He came from the Mughal dynasty, which was a Muslim ruling dynasty. They spoke mostly Turkic languages. They did not speak the same languages as the Indian subcontinent. With all these things in mind, how does this emperor keep his kingdom unified? How do you manage a multiracial, multi ethnic, multi religious kingdom when you yourself are an outsider? How do you rule over a predominantly Hindu population as an Islamic ruler? How does your kingdom not dissipate into smaller factions fighting against one another? These are some of the questions that plague the mind of a teenager, of an early 20s something king, Emperor Akbar. And then he comes across an idea that at that point of time was rarely, if ever, tried before in a kingdom of that magnitude. We will rule with tolerance. We will respect every faith. We will not punish anyone if they worship a different God. We will celebrate their festivals with them. This will be a new religion built on tolerance that respects the diversity of our great kingdom. And that is how we make everyone's lives better. We will call this new religion Deen-e-Ilahi or God's religion. No matter what God means to you. Will you join me in practicing this new religion? Now, remember, we are talking about the 1500s. That statement coming from a political leader would be impressive in 2022, let alone 1582. There was probably stunned silence when Emperor Akbar, an Islamic ruler, declared that he's going to make his kingdom a tolerant, multi-religious place. That was a radical proposal. And he probably looked at his courtiers when one of them stood up. Your Majesty, I, the only practicing Hindu in your court, will shed our religious differences, and I will follow you to become a disciple of this new Universal God's religion, Dine Elahi. That courtier, the only Hindu member of this Islamic emperor's court, was Raja Birbal. This is the story of an unlikely friendship. This is the story of an extremely young king learning to rely on a few trustworthy people. This is the story of radical ideas for the 16th century. This is the story of how. One king ruling over 100 million people, taking over as a 13-year-old, led his kingdom to prosperity. This is the story of Emperor Akbar and his courtier, King Birbal. Let's rewind in time a little bit. So Akbar is the third generation. He's the grandson of the original king that founded the Mughal Empire. His father has tragically died while falling down the stairs. He's 13 years old. He's barely earned the right to listen to the K-pop equivalent of that time. And now he's being asked to make decisions that would probably impact hundred million people. What does he do? Luckily, he had a few good, trustworthy people that he could lean on. But more than the fact that, you know, he was ruling over a big kingdom as a teenager, Akbar is known and remembered in time for developing his faith, his belief as a tolerant, prosperous ruler. He spent a lot of time, effort, money in promoting the arts, architecture, musical talents of his time. He had nine gems in his court, nine Navratnas, nine people who excelled at their crafts so much that Akbar considered them the best gems in his kingdom. He had a fantastic poet, a singer, a warrior, a finance minister. But most of all, the man he relied on the most was his right-hand man, King Birbal, whose official post was being a foreign minister, but he was much more than that to Akbar. Birbal was known to be exceptionally smart, quick-witted, knowledgeable in many different fields. And over a period of time, Birbal and Akbar developed a mutual respect, a mutual friendship even, an Islamic ruler and a smaller Hindu king. A bit of an unlikely friendship, if you ask me, in the 16th century. But in spite of feeling possibly like the odd person out in the emperor's court, Birbal Outshone everybody else in Emperor Akbar's court through his wit, through his intellect, through the sheer power of his mind and his soul. And that's why I personally love the story of Akbar and Birbal so much. I grew up in India in the 1990s. We grew up on stories of Akbar and Birbal. Well, I certainly did. And they were not just fun anecdotes from the past, they served as a moral compass for me growing up in an era before social media influencers before 24/7 cable television i remember reading the stories and watching shows on the tv about akbar and bebo and they were guided towards kids a lot of them were animated shows and for me it wasn't just a bit of fun it wasn't just a bit of intrigue it was part of how i learned growing up, how to do the right thing. Here's a quick short story. Akbar and Birbal were walking around one fine December evening. In North India, it gets pretty cold in December, even more so in the 1600s before global warming and climate change. So, Emperor Akbar mused, as he was likely to do. Birbal, he asked, Do you think anybody could stand in the river Yamuna, which flowed by his kingdom, all night and not freeze to death? Birbal said, well, Emperor Akbar, possibly, why don't you give out a prize? And so they did. They held a competition, a big pot of gold for any person who could stand in the cold freezing waters of the river in the month of December without leaving the river. And one person did, and he managed to stay there, one of the members of the emperor's kingdom. Next day, now, Emperor Akbar is feeling like, nah, maybe I don't want to give away my pot of gold. I don't know. Can somebody find some loophole? You know, finding loopholes is a thing even in the 16th century. Turns out, the person who stood in the river, he was fixated on a little lamp, a handmade lamp, just lighting up the emperor's castle probably 200 meters away maybe more than that that's about 200 yards for my American audience but Akbar found that out and Akbar said oh no he was getting some heat from that lamp but it was so far away how can you be getting any heat from it and so Beeble heard about it and Beeble is feeling bad about it but how does he convince his emperor next day emperor Akbar says hey Let's call all my courtiers today. I have some business to discuss with them. And Birbal refuses to go. Wow, you're telling the emperor you're not going to go into court? What's the reason you're going to give? You say you're cooking food. Okay, fine. He'll come in half an hour when the food is cooked. One hour, two hours, three hours later and no sign of Birbal. Akbar goes himself to Birbal's house. Birbal, what is happening? Why why did you not come to court? Birbal said, Emperor, I'm cooking food. And they look at the little contraption that Birbal has come up. And he has a fire lit up, a little stove, and he's trying to make a vegetable stew, a khichdi. And there's about 30 feet distance between the fire and the stew. The stew is hung up high above the fire. And that person says, Birbal, are you mad? You'll never get enough heat from the fire to cook your vegetables too. And Birbal said, but that person apparently got enough heat from that one lamp that was 200 yards away. So why can I not cook my vegetables too? And Emperor Akbar realized his mistake. And the person in his kingdom got his pot of gold. Really amazing story, and for me, the moral of the story was twofold. You have to try to be true to your words. In fact, if you are a leader, an emperor, you must be true to your words. If you don't, who's going to trust you in future? And secondly, grit and determination can lead you to do amazing things in life. Now, I'm not saying Akbar was all great and perfect. No human being is, and Akbar had his faults too. In fact. In the before times at an in-person odd salon, we've previously shared the story of Salim and Anarkali. Prince Salim, the son of Emperor Akbar, fell in love with Anarkali, a courtesan in Akbar's court. Anarkali loved Salim too. But Akbar could not allow his son, the future emperor, to marry a courtesan. So what did he do? He had Salim handcuffed, and Anarkali was buried alive. They carved up a big hole in a wall, they pushed Anarkali inside the hole, and she was buried alive, while Salim watched, handcuffed. So much for being a progressive ruler. But by that time, I think Akbar was in his 60s, so he might have lost his progressive streak, or maybe he just had a dark side to him. But coming back to Birbo, so it's not, simply his intellect that he was known for. He had a joke or three up his sleeves. Here's another short anecdote I like. Akbar, as he was often known to just muse about random things because you don't have smartphones to keep you busy or lay, he asked one fine day, "Um, You know, I was wondering, what punishment should be given to a person that pulls my mustache? What would be an appropriate punishment for such an act? And you are listening to your emperor ask this question. How do you respond? One of the ministers answered, japana my lord, such a person should be beheaded if they are pulling your mustache. The treasurer answered, he should be flogged. The head of the army said they should be hanged. Everyone in the court suggested extreme punishments, trying to outdo one over the other because how dare somebody tried to pull the moustache of the emperor. Akbar turned to Birbal and Akbar asked, Birbal, what do you think? Birbal kept quiet for a moment and then he said, "Huzur, my lord, they should be given sweets. Sorry? Now just imagine being in the court at that moment. The emperor is saying, how should I punish someone who pulls my moustache? And you say, they should be given sweets? ''Birbal, have you gone crazy? How can you suggest that I should reward the person who pulls my mustache?'' Akbar asked in anger. Birbal replied politely, ''Huzoor, my lord, the only person that can dare to pull your mustache is your grandson. Should your grandson not be given sweets?'' ''Haha, everyone lived happily ever after, but I digress.'' There were many other stories like this that we grew up on about Akbar and Birbal. That could be a whole podcast series of its own. But I'll leave you with one final thought. Akbar, again in one of his moods, asked, Birbal, can you tell me one line that when I read, when I'm happy, will make me sad? And when I read that line, when I'm sad, will make me happy. Birbal thought for a little while, and then he remembered that he had heard something from a Persian poet known as Farid ud-Din from the 12th century. Birbal replied, This too shall pass. That's all for today. And remember, your grandkids are allowed to get sweets in return for pulling your hair. Thank you for listening to the Odd Salon podcast, stories from the odd corners of history, science, art, and adventure. This podcast is made possible by the members of Odd Salon. For behind the scenes interviews and further resources from all of our speakers, join us at oddsalon.com forward slash membership. This episode was written and presented by Sahil Bansal, recorded by Mig Minor, and produced by Annetta Black and Trey Balchowski.